Welcome to the Best Kept Secret videocast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to our show where our guests share their provocative perspective on what their target market is missing out on. I'm happy to welcome to the show, Zhajun Chung, founder of Cadence Process Consulting. Zhajun helps clients bring innovative technologies from the laboratory bench to the manufacturing floor. Zhajun is based in Malden, Massachusetts. Welcome to the show, Zhajun. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Shajan, you and I are soulmates, and if we were both Italian, which we're not, we would call each other paisans, because we are both, by education, at least for me, three years of practice engineers. And I started my career as a chemical engineer working for DuPont, and I had the most amazing assignment, because DuPont was taking something that they had done in the lab and they were going to scale it up to a full-size manufacturing facility and bring this product to market. And I was there from the very beginning in terms of the engineering side. And it was fascinating to me as a early 20-year-old to see how this worked in the real world. And it started by taking what the brilliant scientist had done in the laboratory and creating what we called a pilot plant, which was a miniature manufacturing facility. Maybe it was somewhere between one one hundredth and even one one thousandth of the ultimate scale. But it was no longer done the way that the scientists did everything in the lab. This was now the engineers coming in and saying, let's do a little mock-up of how we think we're going to have to commercialize this. And then we went from the pilot plant, and that maybe took six months from finalizing what we'd done in the lab to getting the first incarnation of the pilot plant built and operational, although there were many, many iterations as we were playing around with how best to scale up what they had done in the lab. And then it took, I want to say, like two years once the pilot plant was operational to translate that into how we would build and run a full-scale manufacturing plant. And if you looked at the finished product and then you went back and looked at what they had done in the lab, you would see virtually nothing was the same. Everything was different with the exception that, yes, what we produced in the manufacturing plant matched what the scientists had produced in the lab. But we did it so differently. And this was a tremendous insight into how the world of manufacturing works. But I think it was also a surprise to a lot of the, the scientists who had created this because of how long it took and how different the ultimate 
manufacturing plant look compared to the lab. Now, Xiaojun, this is an area that you focus on, that you have tremendous expertise. So share with us, what is the challenge of going from that innovation in the lab to a process by which we can actually commercialize and make money off of those great scientific breakthroughs? To, to understand this problem, let me first set the stage. Right, so we have hard tech or deep tech company founders. They have an innovative, promising technology that's grounded in science that shows paradigm shifting performance with, with the potential to really change the world. And this technology is almost always conceived in a laboratory. Based on this, the, the scientists turn founders have pitched to investors, raised funds, but their processes are not yet repeatable, scalable, or commercially viable. So there's a lot of uncertainty around how to go from this breakthrough performance in the lab to the new normal for their product. And as you said, the process of scaling up takes many years, right? And this uh, during this process development, you could have many unexpected problems come up. And if you take too long to solve these problems, it could really uh, put the company's trajectory in jeopardy. So why is it that this is such a challenge? I mean, why can't you just say, well, if they did it that way in the lab, I just need to make everything bigger. And then what's the issue? Well, there, there are three main factors. So the first one is that the fact that the unit economics are very different when you go from small batches to, to large quantities, right? So in a, in a lab setting, the cost associated with scrapping maybe 20% of your product may be negligible. But when you're making hundreds of thousands of units, that, that 20% becomes significant, right? So imagine if you're hosting a dinner party, cooking for four people at the cost of, say, $5 a person, and maybe one of your dishes doesn't turn out well, that's no big deal. Like, so you wasted a few dollars, but the stakes are suddenly a lot higher when you have to feed, cook to feed a thousand people at the same cost, right? A 20% yield hit becomes very significant in terms of the dollar amount. So any errors, deviation from your target now becomes a lot more in, in absolute terms. Second, your physical process behaviors change when you increase the volume. So often, like you said, the manufacturing processes that deliver the final product look nothing like how it was done in the lab, right? So you do not simply multiply the inputs to and expect to scale the outputs. So for example, think about making cookies. Going from one batch to two batches, you may double the ingredients, but you wouldn't double the, the baking temperature or the baking time. Knowing how the, the different parameters behave is fundamental to being able to design our manufacturing process well. And lastly, the commercial products face a higher quality standard. So once your technology transitions from an academic setting to a commercial one, it now faces competition from the marketplace, right? And consumers expect a certain level of performance set by the uh, existing incumbent products. So this really sets a higher bar in terms of being able to consistently deliver a level of quality compared to perhaps in an R&D setting. Given the fact that you have founders that have raised a lot of money, need to appropriately set expectations, what do you do to solve these sets of issues? Uh, I have three points. 
first one is to set realistic expectations. So developing and optimizing the manufacturing processes is not trivial. So don't underestimate the time and effort it will require. It could take many years. And often you just don't know what you don't know until your, your problems start showing up in your operation. So benchmark against other innovative tech companies. And again, don't underestimate the effort. Second is uh, to map out your processes and really shorten, work to shorten your critical path to accelerate the speed of learning, to get a stable, predictable manufacturing process that delivers consistently quality products. You really need to first have a deep understanding of your processes. Get very good at generating knowledge in short iterative cycles and organize your process flow so that you could test your hypotheses and make conclusions within a day, within instead of waiting for weeks. And lastly, leverage the existing tools to understand your processes. The, the general challenge of developing and refining processes to improve on quality yield and reduce costs is actually not unique to innovative technologies, right? There are existing concepts, tools, and methods that are practiced in the manufacturing industry. So, so there's no need to reinvent the wheel. So if a company follows your advice in terms of what they need to do in order to go from the lab to full-scale commercialization, uh, and I compare that rigor and discipline that you talk to, to uh, companies that are perhaps less sophisticated in this process, don't quite understand how to set expectations, are a little bit more ad hoc processes. So if I compare A to B, what are the benefits you find companies get from following your recommendations? The benefits are multifold. The number one benefit is being able to bring product to markets faster and start creating real impact and getting the to getting closer to profitability sooner. So by improving their processes, the companies can lower their cost of goods sold, leading to a higher profit margin, and all of this will help the company thrive. At a previous uh, employer, I've seen this myself firsthand. By learning and applying lean manufacturing concepts and Six Sigma methodology, the company reduced its labor costs by about 50% in two years. And when you add up all the improvements made, it totaled $4 million saved and a return on their investment uh, exceeding 4,000% from the 17 days of team training conducted. And in addition, there's the benefit of improved product reliability coming from a stable process. By strategically leveraging these tools and concepts myself, I, I led a team to reduce manufacturing cycle time by 45% within two weeks so that the team could run the process from start to finish, analyze the results, and plan for the next day's run, all within 12 hours. So within 18 months, we made four revisions to a fiber demonstrate a product and resulting in over hundredfold improvement in reliability. Another, I think, benefit that I, I want to just throw a table comes from the financial side of the house. So when you take in money from outside investors, they have an expectation of a compound return on their money. Let's just take what I think is probably uh, a, a target that's very much on the low side, but I think it'll illustrate what I'm talking, which is a 20% expected return. Now, in the types of businesses that you're talking about, we have a time frame that could be years from taking in that first money to start the commercialization process all the way through getting out to the market, earning first dollar revenues, and even more importantly, first 
dollar of profit. So let's say with that 20%, that means if my starting value is 100, I have to be worth 120 in after one year. And yet I am still working on going to market. I'm not even out there. And then next year, it's 144 because of the compound impact and so on and so on. So if by following your methodology and your approach, we can shorten even a little bit the time to market, the time to first revenue and first dollar of profit impact on that return that I'm going to have to give investors just becomes a lot less. And that takes an enormous amount of stress out of the system, which brings me to the next thing I want to view on. We've talked about the benefits of the company, but what about that founder, that brilliant scientist who's come up with this innovative idea that's game-changing. And now they have got to watch it take potentially years before they can get this into the market, dealing with all sorts of issues that they never had to deal with. How does following your approach impact them? So I've gotten to know several founders over the years and hard tech innovators have something in common. They all have a very strong vision. They really believe in their technology and they're deeply dedicated to making a positive impact with their innovation. Founders have a lot to worry about, right? So this uncertainty is definitely weighing on their minds. But being able to bring high quality product to market sooner will maximize their chance of turning that technical promise into a reality and actually change the world for the better. And that, I believe, is, is every innovative street, being able to leave a lasting impact and becoming a leader in their field. You have made, I think, a, a strong case for adopting your approach to this uh, critical issue. If I am founder, CEO, that scientist, I'm saying, I love what I'm hearing. So how do I take your ideas and implement them into my organization? So I have three main points. Number one is to apply Lean and Six Sigma concepts and tools in your process development. So these are proven approaches and frameworks that already exist. So the leader should leverage them strategically and use the right tools at the right time. Number two is to always make process-related decisions based on experimental data and not just theories. As much as we all want things to happen according to theories, according to our prediction, they often don't. So look at the data objectively and use it to drive your next steps. Thirdly, coach your team members to be extra problem solvers. Uh, the reality is that process improvement work will never truly be finished. It's not like a one and done thing. Every day is a new opportunity for Murphy's Law to rear its head. Really, the best defense against that is to mentor your team and develop problem-solving capabilities among everybody who's involved so they can remain vigilant and really pitching at the frontline level to keep that process stable. Being exposed to the business and popular media and press, there's so much emphasis on software startups. Of course, even in the software business, they have their own issues of how they scale. But I think when you're dealing with uh, manufacturing and hard tech, you have an entirely different set of issues, which is someone who's been on both sides divide. I would say that, that these issues that you're talking about are much more challenging, much more difficult, take much longer to... So you have provided us, I think, a fantastic roadmap for how to think about uh, this issue of commercialization and scale. But we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn a bit more about Chandran. 
Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead, conversation, and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? Well, Centricity's Category 01 program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads, but it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18-minute call to learn more. Welcome back. We're talking to Jadran Chung, founder of Cadence Process Consulting. Let's find out. As you look at your firm and the work that you do, what are the pain points that you solve for your clients? Why do they need you to get rid of the pain? Well, Jay, I, I work with hard tech startup leaders to help their companies grow and thrive. So together we assess their processes at a technical hands-on level through a manufacturing engineer's lens. So we highlight the process symptoms or failure modes, identify the root causes, and implement improvements to refine and optimize their processes with the ultimate goal of achieving their targets on quality, delivery, cost, safety, and morale. So I help them build a foundation to methodically solve problems and capture process knowledge. I can assure our audience from my own, Jadren does takes enormous expertise skill, talent. When you're in that world, of course, there is a big distribution of people that are really great at it to people that aren't so good. So, Jadran, what makes you great at what you do? All the things I'm advocating for, I have done myself. So, I understand the technical and operational challenges related to scaling up new technologies. So I have firsthand experience of what works and what doesn't at a company level. I've spent over 12 years in startup environments and have been involved in scaling two novel technologies that came out of MIT, the second of which I led. I have experience in different manufacturing settings and have a very clear picture of what the ideal state looks like in terms of process development, continuous improvement and manufacturing. Also, the many years of leading teams with very diverse backgrounds and in problem solving have also taught me the importance of building a improvement-driven culture. And that's one aspect that often gets overlooked when we focus too much on technical. I encourage everybody to check Zajan out on LinkedIn and uh, look at her experience and her education it is all i think very the fact that she is outstanding what it is that she does but i have a slightly different question for you which is tell us what happened in your life that would most explain why you do what you do today so in my 20s i started volunteering for a grassroots advocacy group and obviously trying to affect policy making is very different from building and improving a production line but over the years, I've seen that in addition to working hard, there is tremendous value in working smart, right? So being able to bring the right talent and expertise together, having the right information to the right people at the right time can have great impact affecting systemic change. And that is really what motivated me to strike out on my own and start a consulting business. 
because uh, both professionally and personally, I want to be that catalyst for positive change and help companies grow and succeed and solve real world problems. For all our hard tech manufacturing scientists based CEOs. Uh, Zhao what you talked about, so I'm sure there are going to be folks that want to reach out to you to continue the conversation. How should they get in contact with you? So they can email me at jodrin at cadenceprocess.com. They can also look me up on LinkedIn. At, I'm at CC Chong. My phone number is 781-957-6910. And also there's a contact form on my website, cadenceprocess.com. And I will put all that in the show notes and as an insert video. So you will get the exact proper way to spell everything out. So uh, fantastic stuff. As we talked about, this is such a critical area, but it's not an easy area that you have got to nail. You, you bring something that is not common. And as such, uh, you've been a tremendous guest for us. You know, we all have competition. I have Believe it or not, I have competition on the show area. Other people do these shows for a B2B audience and you're a tough guest. And I know that if I were them, I'd be really happy. I have this big smile on my face about now saying, we did it. Yes. What an amazing show. This is going to go in the books as one of our best. And they would be looking to close this and get out. ASAP while the getting out is good. I don't play that game. I am always the number one advocate for our listeners. And I know they tell me, Jay, do you need to wring all the value possible out of them? So I willingly accept that challenge. I'm looking at you. I think you can do even more for listeners. How about you offer them a little gift for listening to what you've had to say today? Well, Jay, what a tremendous opportunity to connect with your listeners. And as a thank you, I'm happy to offer a 30-minute consultation for, for the audience of the Best Kept Secrets show. So if you email me or message me on LinkedIn and mention uh, the Best Kept Secrets show, we will I will have a 30-minute free consultation to learn about your business and see how I can be helpful. I will just say to my listeners, anyone who's in hard tech manufacturing uh, that is going down this journey of commercialization, you must take advantage of Zadran's opportunity because this is really the make it or break for the commercial side of your business. I want to thank you. You have been a fabulous guest to my audience. Let's continue to crush it until next time.